When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to 365 Days with MXM Tune. I'm Maya, a singer, songwriter, video maker, Oakland native, and a space enthusiast. I'm also a big fan of history. I love untold stories, gross facts, hidden secrets, anything weird, dark, and funky from the past. Each day I'm going to share one of my favorite deep cuts with you, so let's take a look at today's stories. It's 365 with MXM Tune. New facts every day, so soon i'm gonna teach you stuff no it won't be tough gonna go a year till you've had enough it's 365 on this day in 2012 earth had a near miss with a massive solar superstorm if the solar storm had occurred only a week earlier it would have wiped out communication networks and power grids around the world NASA says that the storm could have, in essence, knocked modern civilization back to the 1700s. But scientists also pointed out that the event gave us the information we need to be prepared for the next time. Let's reverse. First of all, what exactly is a solar superstorm? To understand solar storms, we need to first understand a little bit more about the sun itself. The sun is one big giant ball of burning plasma, and no, this isn't the type of plasma you can donate from your blood. This is the plasma we talk about in physics. It's called the four state of matter. Most of us are familiar with three states of matter, solids, liquids, and gases. Plasma is like this great big flowing electric gas that can conduct electricity, taking down power grids and altering magnetic fields. So what about solar storms? We have the sun, a boiling, bubbling mass of burning plasma and magnetic fields. It's also spinning on its axis, which causes those magnetic fields to stretch and get out of alignment. Sometimes the pressure builds up so high that it has to explosively realign. It's a lot like shaking up a carbonated drink and popping it open, or stretching a rubber band and then letting it snap back into place. When this happens, two reactions occur. First, a bright flash of light called a solar flare reaches Earth within only minutes. Solar flares can disrupt the part of the atmosphere where radio waves are traveling and lead to temporary blackouts in navigation signals. After the bright flash of light comes the explosion of actual matter. It's called a coronal mass ejection, or CME, and it's basically a plasma cloud. These massive releases of plasma go hurtling through space. Picture that carbonated drink after you shake it and pop it open. If they're aimed towards us, they usually take a day or two to reach Earth. Once the CME reaches us, the Earth's magnetic field pulls the particles toward the North and South Poles. It's a CME that causes the Aurora Borealis. The Northern Lights are actually plasma from the Sun dancing in our atmosphere, like a storm made out of light. If the CME is strong enough, it can disturb our navigation systems and cause massive outages of our power grid. These events are considered solar storms, or more scientifically, geomagnetic storms. Because these solar events can have such a serious effect on Earth, there are actually people who study space weather, just like the weathermen from Earth's weather. They study and predict upcoming solar storms. 
If they predict a big CME, for example, they can warn electric companies to redirect power loads to protect their grids. Before 2012, the biggest solar storm on record was the Carrington Storm of 1859. Because there wasn't much technology back then, the geomagnetic storm didn't cause extensive damage. The only real electric system was the telegraph. The storm caused telegraph poles to rain sparks and even shock some operators. But the real show in 1859 was the Aurora Borealis. In the Northern Hemisphere, the auroras were visible all the way down to the Caribbean. In the Northeastern United States, people reported they could read the newspaper by the aurora's light. Gold miners in the Rocky Mountains thought it was morning and started making breakfast. An Australian gold miner described the site like this. A scene of almost unspeakable beauty presented itself. Lights of every imaginable color were issuing from the southern heavens, one color fading away only to give place to another, if possible, more beautiful than the last. A lot of people also thought it was the end of the world. So what happened on July 23rd of 2012? A massive CME missed a direct collision with Earth by just nine days. What that means is that the plasma cloud was aimed directly at the path Earth takes around the sun, our orbit. But fortunately, Earth had just passed the spot where the CME ended up crossing. Picture a car just barely making it across train tracks before the train goes speeding by. Had the storm hit, it would likely have been just as big or larger than the Carrington storm. But this time, the entire developed world depends on electricity for survival. Think of everything that would have been knocked out if we lost power. Internet, phones, light, air conditioning, refrigeration, TV, emergency services, transportation, water, credit cards and banks, even government services. Nearly everything we consider to be modern civilization. Scientists estimate the total cost of such an event could be $2 trillion, 20 times greater than the cost of Hurricane Katrina. And it could take years to get all our systems back online. The odds are fairly low that such an event would be perfectly timed to hit Earth, but the scientific community is using what they learned from the 2012 event to make sure we're prepared if it ever does happen again. Fortunately, we do have space weather people and the technology to prepare when we see it coming. Yet another reason I'm grateful for science. Now, let's talk about music. On July 23rd, 2010, Kings of Leon had a strange encounter during a show in St. Louis. The culprit? Pigeon poop. Just a few songs into their set, Kings of Leon abruptly left the stage, complaining about a flurry of bird poop coming from a flock of pigeons just chilling in the rafters above the venue. Apparently, the two opening acts had left the stage pretty much covered in pigeon poop, but Kings of Leon decided to try and get on with the show anyway. When the bassist allegedly got poop on his face, they gave it up. The band never returned to the stage, and a full refund was made available to all concertgoers. The show's entry on Setlist FM just notes, concert ended due to bird shit. It sounds like a truly rough experience, but with my apologies to the Kings of Leon, it does sure make a funny story. And now for today's final segment, I'll be going back into my own photo archives to see what I was up to on a July 23rd in my life. On July 3rd, 2016, I am literally just stating the days after each other every single day so far for this, um, the fun facts of today. I went to Chicago for the first time in 2016 on this day. This is actually a really insane day. We were trying to get out of, um, Albany, New York, I think at that point. We had already been delayed like five days. We were there a lot longer than we expected to be because of a, a tropical storm, which now that I live on the East Coast, I understand 
what was going on because I think we've just had a tropical storm a little while ago and I don't even know if that's the last one we'll have this summer. But um, my family had to do a layover in Chicago in order to get on a flight back to California. And when we got there, um, we went to our hotel and there was a bunch of stuff still in the room that we were supposed to be checking into. There was flip-flops on the ground, clothing inside of the dressers. There was like a, a rental car papers like spread out on the desk. It was very suspicious. And so we called security and let them know. And the hotel was full. They did not have any other rooms that we could sit in or stay into. So the only thing they had left was the presidential suite. My family in any other world probably would never spend money on such a luxury or whatever that is. But we ended up staying in the presidential suite for one night in Chicago only because we needed to be there for a layover. And it was really fun. We ordered deep dish pizza and uh, Alfredo and it was three in the morning in Chicago. And the next day we had a few hours before we wanted to go to the airport to catch our flight at O'Hare, whatever. And um, sorry, I'm really bad at telling stories. And we ended up going on a boat tour to see the Chicago architecture along the river. So that was really fun. It ended up being a very stressful experience, but a very fun one. And um, yeah, that's still something I think very fondly of. Thanks for going back in time with me and remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can come back tomorrow for more stories from the past. It's 365 with MXM Tune. New facts every day, so don't leave too soon. I'm gonna teach you stuff, no it won't be tough. Gonna go a year till you've had enough. It's 365.